Hi, and welcome to another Tech Interviews podcast. Um, looking again at the kind of the future of data and where we're seeing uh, data moving in, in businesses that we talk to and how we're seeing the use of data change uh, very much for all kinds of organizations. Um, so this week to, uh, to have that conversation with me, uh, I'm joined by somebody I met at a recent uh, a solution provider conference that we both presented at. Um, so I'm joined today by Dave Sobel. Hi, Dave. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, welcome to the show. And uh, how are you? How's things? I'm good. Been uh, been traveling around. Met you in London uh, for a week and a half ago. I'm back in the D.C. area where I'm based, and I'll be in Canada next week and the Netherlands the week after. So I'm on the go on a regular basis. So, yeah, so you don't like to stay at home. That sounds sounds like uh, the plan. <laughs> I do. Lo I love being at home, but I actually love getting out and talking to people and working with the community. So that's uh, a good portion of that is, is getting out there. Yeah, so you did have a, a crazy day, didn't you? You kind of flew in and out of London all in one day when I met you, uh, met you a few weeks back. I did. I, I, the, uh, the joy of two capital cities is there's lots of flights between the two. And yeah. uh, had, had, a particular, had the event to, uh, to attend and, and no other particular business, so I made it a, a quick turnaround. Yeah, you made me feel bad. I thought I'd travel the long way going from Liverpool all the way to London. And, um, but yeah, you, you flying in from Washington, D.C. Uh, kind of trumped that quite a lot. Um, so, you know, so, that, so, so well done you. Um, Thank you. Uh, <laughs> Good uh, conversation, Keith. Yeah, you won the prize. Um, so, well, well, maybe before we get into, uh, into the topic, Dave, do you, you want to kind of introduce yourself, uh, introduce what it is you do, and introduce what your company does as well? Sure. So I'm, I'm Dave Sobel. I'm Senior Director of Community and Field Marketing at SolarWinds MSP, which is a, a gobbledygook title that essentially means I'm in charge of all of our uh, to customer education and a lot of our comms across uh, Europe and, you know, and, and across uh, uh, APAC. So what I, what I focus on is, is making sure that our customers have all of the right knowledge that they need from a business perspective to help grow their businesses and be more effective with the platform. So that comes from a business perspective as well as from a technical perspective. Um, SolarWinds MSP is the largest uh, community of solution providers in the world focused on managed services. We've got over 20,000 MSPs using our technologies uh, you know, in over 100 countries. And the thing people usually are always most interested about my background is I actually owned and operated my own MSP for about a decade here in the D.C. area. And uh, so I, I was, I've actually lived and breathed that experience as a solution provider myself and, and come from that. So I always describe myself as a solution provider undercover at a vendor. <laughs> so, um, well, yeah, and that... I think a couple of things you said there actually was, was kind of why, um, as we got chatting, that we thought this might be quite an interesting show for, for our listeners, was that you talked a lot about kind of the future and, and market trends. You know, so some of the market trends that you were seeing, and, and what was interesting is obviously that your, your background as, um, as a company who is a managed service provider, you get to see, um, you get to see all kinds of businesses of all kinds of size, all kinds of types and, uh, of organizations. And what you, you know, what was really interesting about what you covered was some of those uh, trends and directions that you were kind of general trends and directions that you were seeing, and how organisations were taking advantage of that. You know, and that, that fits in quite well with this kind of little series of shows that we're doing at the moment, looking at uh, kind of this future of data and, and this idea of digital transformation. So, uh, I, I mean, can, can you share with us some of the uh, some of the things that you are seeing? Now, what's your kind of view on the the current uh, the current landscape for for businesses and organisations? 
So I'm really bullish on managed services, and, and you, you mentioned the, the data side of things. I've been a huge data nerd baiting back all the way back to, to running my solution provider because I think you make better decisions when you're analyzing the trends and, and you've got actual data telling you the way the market is going. Uh, so I've, I, you know, from going from being a, a data nerd to now a bit of an analyst and, and providing guidance to solution providers as part of my role, I spend a lot of time thinking about the way the market's going and what we're seeing. Um, and the, the thing that's been, always been encouraging to me about being a solution provider is, is as long as I've been looking at this data, uh, the, mar the IT spending market has been growing with the exception of 2016, where the market stayed level. Uh, so we had, we had, we have had continuous growth as long as I've been doing this for all the way dating back to the early 2000s and such. And then last year, we saw IT spending stay the same. And with 17, we're seeing it grow again. Um, that's encouraging to me when I think about what our market is, is seeing and what solution providers would be out there doing, because it means that customers are continuing to spend. Um, you know, and their, their priorities of their, of their customers, of solution providers' customers, spans lots of different areas, but all of the things you'd like to see them doing. They're interested in maintaining key customer accounts. They're looking for new accounts. They're trying to implement new systems to enhance their own efficiencies. They're trying to innovate in their business. Exactly the kinds of things that you would expect. Um, the other trend that I've been focused on that I think is really, really kind of interesting is, is a bit of the aging of the solution provider market space. Um, you know, a lot, about a third of all uh, solution provider businesses were founded 25 years ago or more. But if you look in the past five or six years, we've had a growing trend of new solution providers entering into the market, and they look very different. So the older solution providers are either going to be looking to retire or sell their business, and you've got a new generation of people that are coming in who look very different. So I like to say that, you know, that, that the competition is going to be changing, and we need to be you know, agile and adaptive as that continues to change. So that's um, that's an interesting point, though. So, so what is it that you think is uh, driving this kind of um, kind of growth again in new service providers? You know, what 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 are they seeing? What what what's the opportunity that they're seeing that's that's driving this kind of this this growth and, and popping up of new kids on the block? Well, the 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 shift in the way we deliver technology has has gotten a lot of people involved again. It's really easier and different to start a solution provider today. Uh, so many of us have been doing. Paul, how long have you been been in business doing? Oh well, heck, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I've been doing my role um, over 20 years now, uh, and, okay. and, as a, and the company I work for, you know, we, we've been around for um, over 30 now. So, yep. you know, been, been around a while. So same same kind of time frame for me too. I've been, been plugging at this for for over 20 years now. Um, and if you think back to the early days of why we got into this and, and the way our technology looked back then, it's really different than the kinds of things that we would define today. Um, you know, and I made, it, made an analogy when we, when we met at the event, and I think it's really important, is, is to think about the computer. Uh, when we talk about the idea of a computer and what it, way it started, we have a very particular vision of that. Um, you know, I, I think of the idea of the computer as my first computer was a was a Commodore 64. Um, I mine love too. that machine. Mine too. I love my 64. I, and I, I actually just recently bought an, uh, a, a, a Commodore 64 on eBay, and I have it set up in my office, and it still works. 
Um, because it really, you know, it's fun to play with, and it reminds me a little bit of, of sort of where I came from. There's a very particular definition of a computer in that context. You know, it has a keyboard, it has a monitor, it had a, it had a, an optional mouse at that time frame. Um, but if we think about the computer today, it looks really, really different. Um, you know, we carry in our pockets a device that has no keyboard, uh, that is far more powerful than any of our early computers by, by leaps and bounds. Uh, we can define our tablets now as computers, and we're interacting with computers that we would have never even defined as computers. Um, they're they're the, you know, the kinds of things of, of science fiction. I mean, you can talk to, uh, you know, you can talk to computers, Amazon's uh, Echo technology and Google Home and, you know, these kinds of technologies are embedding the computer in new ways. It's real easy to get started with these kinds of computing technologies. And if you want to fire up those resources in the cloud, it's really easy to do so. So if I were starting a solution provider today, it would look really different than the ones that, that we were involved with when we first entered the industry. And because of that ease of engagement, you know, it's allowing new entrepreneurs to move into the market in, in new and interesting ways. And I suppose that, that, that makes logical sense as well, that, you know, we've, we're not only growing this kind of new breed of service providers, but we're actually breeding a new type of customer as well, a new type of consumer of technology. Um, you know, and, and are you seeing, um, so are you seeing because of that, a kind of a change in the priorities for businesses today? And I suppose there's two types of businesses as well, isn't it? There's kind of your traditional business that might be looking down the route of this digital transformation, looking at how they, and you know, I think that's a great example you just give actually, looking at how they can use computing technology differently, computing interfaces. Um, and then of course there's the, you know, the, the new businesses that are beginning that have a completely different, you know, they're a paradigm shift away, they're a completely different beast to that more traditional organization. Um, I mean, are you, seeing, are you seeing a new set of priorities for businesses, um, or are you seeing different priorities dependent on, on what type of organization they are? Yeah, I, I mean, a lot of it is, is the, the kinds of, when you look at the top 10 strategic trends uh, that, are, that are being focused on in 2016 and now in 2017, um, they're very, very different than the kinds of things that we saw before. They're, you know, things around digital mesh. Uh, ambient user experience, 3D printing, smart machines all around us, and adaptive architectures, you know, mesh architectures and adaptive security architectures and IoT architecture and platforms, none of which are, are the things that we would, would be focused on in traditional IT. These are the kinds of strategic technology trends that we're talking about now. Um, you know, and, and the, the woefully named Internet of Things, um, you know, it's a, it's a horrible name, but, you know, six in ten organizations have some kind of IoT initiative underway. Um, you know, and, and the, the number one group that is expected to make money on Internet of Things is IT solution providers and MSPs. So this is not the, the stuff of fiction. This is stuff people are making money at right now. And so that's, um, yeah, I think one of the things that, that they're always – interesting for me with, with this and certainly one of the things that we're seeing um, 
with lots of organizations now is this real shift in and, and starting to understand maybe grow maturity around how they view data in their organizations you know and i've got a almost becoming a bit of a mantra that ultimately the data is the thing that matters you know for for organizations the idea that the uh, and I think you touched on this a little bit actually in a presentation that I saw you give that the idea that we worry too much about the end device or the server that we put it on or the storage area network that sits behind it lots and lots of that stuff is not really relevant you know the focus now for organizations is very much around the data and what the data means means to that organization I mean is that is that reflected in what you're seeing as, as solar winds and what you're seeing in your your day-to-day -day interactions very much so. I mean, information matters so much more than the machines now. Um, that information and the the access to data and the ability to do to to get access to your data and manipulate it so much more important than than the machines themselves. You know, think about again. It's easy to talk about in, in sort of simple terms of the way that we think about our devices. Uh, Think back to your first laptop, you know, the first uh, the probably weighed 40 pounds and you lugged it around. Um, and heaven forbid anything happened to that because it was where all your data resided and, and that was the key, you know, key element of you being able to be productive. Now, I mean, for me, I, I think about my own disaster recovery scenario. Heaven forbid my laptop is stolen. I'll just go buy a new one and resync all my data. I don't really care so much about the device anymore. I care that I have access to all the data and that it's able to, to be delivered to me in a secure and, and effective way. And I want to make sure that my data is available on all the devices that I work with. Um, you know, I have lots of different ones. I have different ones that I use in different times. And as long as it's all synchronized and kept available to me, I don't really care which one I work on. It's whatever one I need at the time. And that paradigm shift is, is really the way of, of that we look at in terms of, of data. Um, you know, we did a study last summer looking at how solution providers could focus on being data-driven in their automation. And, you know, 44% of solution providers are finding they are already data-driven, but only 8% have put in place automated processes for transforming the data into actionable recommendations. So they've made their data, you know, they're looking at this from a data perspective, but they're not making it actionable yet. And what's really interesting is, is the ones that have focused on that are seeing 100% or more ROI from data-driven automation. They're the ones that are really accelerating their growth by using data in the, in the way that they automate. And are you seeing that kind of replicated? Because obviously we're talking quite a bit here about how um, solution providers and service providers are, are, are grasping some of this technology. I mean, are you seeing that all the way through to the end user organization, the end user business? You know, are, they, are they grabbing the same kind of technologies or are they just taking advantage of what a service provider might be delivering for them? Uh, you know, it's, there's, it, it all is about size and scale. So, so the smaller the organization, uh, they, they're the ones that are still struggling to, to get their heads around big data and what it really means. You know, a survey found that less than 10% of small businesses are currently using big data. Um, but in the mid-market, though, 30% are using it today and 50% are planning to do it in the foreseeable future. And as we know, these technologies continue to become easier to use and it's a, it's a growing trend, and it's something that solution providers can position themselves now to be ready and take advantage of as their customers embrace it. 
Yeah, and I suppose that's the, that, that's the opportunity at both ends as well, isn't it? You know, that's the opportunity for uh, you know, service provider businesses, people who want to offer things as a service. You know, there's a, there's a great opportunity there for um, you know, for them to develop services that are you know relevant to to a modern organisation. Well, I, mean, I think one of the things we're seeing, and, and just go back to something you said before, actually, when you were talking about kind of, uh, you know, let's hope you don't lose your laptop, but actually, even if you did, the end user device doesn't really matter because actually my data resides somewhere else, and I can and I can quickly recover that. I, mean, I think we're starting to see that today in the end user conversations that we have. You know, we're we're talking to, um, you know, we'll be talking to a part of the business today that wants. It wants to analyze its data differently. It wants a new application delivery. It wants to interact with a customer differently. What the, the conversation they're not really having anymore is about, well, show me the flashing lights. Now, how fast do the disks spin? Or, you know, uh, what, what does the infrastructure look like? How, how much room is that going to take up in my data center? Because I think we're seeing now that increasingly, and it's probably been driven by service providers, maybe particularly some of the big boys, the Azures, the Amazons of, of this world, where we're getting so used to this kind of idea of a service catalog that we're just, you know, clicking a button and saying, give me a database, and it just happens. You know, is that, is that the kind of thing that you're seeing, that, that organizations, um, maybe at an end user end, are actually less and less bothered about what the technology technology looks like? And it's, and it's maybe this that's driving this kind of growth around service provision that you were talking about before. Very much so. And, and additionally, a lot of the decision-making power has moved from the IT department into the finance and into the business groups. So they don't really care about the, the, the specs and the flashing lights. They care that their, their you know, solutions are being solved, that they're hitting their business goals, and they're much more focused on what those business outcomes are. And they're measuring success very, very differently. You know, it's just a ma not a matter of buying the latest and greatest stuff because that's what you do. They want to make sure that they're, they're getting their money's worth and it's solving the business need. And thus, the decision-making power has shifted. That's why we're having these conversations about the outcome, not about the implementation. Yeah, and I think that's a, I think that's actually a key thing to remember, you know. And I, I don't think that, that probably doesn't matter what part of the industry that you sit in. You know, we're all IT professionals. People probably listening to to this show are either IT professionals or are involved in kind of business decision making that that is is driven by technology somewhere. And I think that's an important thing, isn't it? Is that actually not to get bogged down necessarily in the technology. But look at the outcome, you know, un understand what comes out of it. And that's, I suppose, why we're seeing the growth in things like data analytics as almost as a service, you know. And, and I think one of the things that we've seen is how some of the big service providers have really commoditized that market, you know, taking things that were really complicated uh, and would have been really expensive for an organization to do and actually turning that around and saying, just have it when you need it. You know, just just take it take it when you want it. I mean, is that are you seeing similar kind of stuff? Is that from what SolarWinds see in the market? Is are they the kind of areas that people are, are grabbing and saying, yeah, actually, I can that gives me a business outcome. So so make sure I've got that service. Yeah, these systems are really available for to help solution providers deliver these kinds of kinds of technologies to their customers. Um, I'm not sure I've, I'm ready to declare it a commodity. But I do, but I do think that it is—it's not something that that they have to build themselves. And one of the key elements to this is you don't have to build your own big data capability anymore. You know, you don't have to have armies of data scientists to to help pull this together. That the technology that makes 
um, you know, analytics possible is easy to put together, you know, with the with the technologies that are available now. You can leverage those pieces together and help put together some really interesting solutions. Yeah, and I suppose that's probably what I meant by, yeah, I mean, you're right about it's not commodity in so much that it, it doesn't cost you very much to do. I mean, potentially it can still be quite an investment, but yeah, that idea that it's more readily available to organizations of all sizes, you know, and not just limited to global banks who can throw a squillion dollars at a, at a solution. Exactly. And I push back on, on commodity not only because I'm I also one of the big things that I really advocate for solution providers is when I look across the solution provider market, um, North America, in the UK, on mainland Europe, you, know, you, you get this from some solution providers, they will push back and say, you know, I'm feeling price pressure, I'm feeling like my margins are eroding. Uh, pretty consistently, when you look at the top 20% of the market in those areas, their margins are stable and are, and are, and are very, very healthy. Um, if more than, more often than not, if they're seeing price pressure, it's artificial and self-imposed versus a, a market trend. So I, I always like to be really careful about our use of the words commodity and, and as we focus on, on margin achievement because I don't want artificial internal pressures to be viewed as true market forces. Um, you know, if, if you're if you're feeling price pressure as an organization, I want you to dig into to the why of that, because often it is more self-imposed than it is uh, coming at you from from the external forces. I suppose that makes a, a very interesting point. I mean, I suppose if we look at service providers and this kind of as a service model, you know, the key word in all that is service, isn't it? You know, is that we're presenting a service to a, a consumer of technology that they they would find really really difficult to do themselves and and it kind of leads me on to one of the other areas that um that you when you presented that you talked about in, in some detail that i thought was really interesting because it's something that we see an awful lot you know and it, it is a conversation i'm constantly having with people and that's around security and data security um and that that's one of those areas where the challenge is becoming so complicated and so constant and so ever-changing, so ever-morphing ever into something different, that actually a lot of organizations that I speak to are coming to us saying, well, it's okay having tools in place that maybe help us to spot some of these changes, some of these security holes, but actually the part of the real problem we have is that we don't really have the resource internally to be able to deal with the information that we're getting. I mean, is that an area that you're seeing a real opportunity and, and a real new set of services that service providers are, are being able to offer out to kind of the end user of technology? You know, is that is that a key trend as well? Absolutely. I mean, security is something that is is you know blowing up in terms of importance um, and the level of seriousness of the incidents that are out there. Um, you know, I, I, it's it's an area that solution providers have, have traditionally focused on, but I don't think they've led with in, in as much as is required now. Um, I'm going to cite something from the presentation that I did, and I'm actually going to give you some, some brand new uh, information around this. You know, it, it's fascinating to me uh, the fact that last summer, uh, NATO recognized cyberspace's domain for war, meaning that they could declare that an, infra you know, an infraction and, and an attack within cyberspace would have the same power within the NATO nations in terms of response as, a, as tanks and guns and missiles. Um, and I think that's a, that's a really important change in the way that people are thinking about this. 
Um, you know, and the other piece is, is that oftentimes we've thought about security kind of as an, as an annoyance, uh, you know, viruses and, and some of the things that we were seeing, you know, five, ten years ago, they were much more about, about an annoyance than they were about actual damage. You know, with the rise of ransomware, um, you know, and the, and the rise of actually holding, you know, businesses hostage over their resources, and even even to the point where last week uh, there was a report put out by uh, PwC and, and, and another security researching organization that identified a, a hacking group that is specifically targeting managed services providers, that is specifically targeting MSPs knowing that they have access to all of their customers and that by attacking the MSP, you can get access to that many more customers. You know, it is a very targeted, they're using phishing attacks to try and get access to MSPs, uh, resources and consoles in order to, to attack their customers. You know, this is much more focused activity than it ever, we'd ever seen before. And, and I, I really implore solution providers to be thinking about security baked into everything that they do for their own organization and delivering that for their customers. Because you know, we, we used to think that all of these small companies were not targets. They are most assuredly targets now. Yeah, and I think, that, I mean, that's a, yeah, that's something that we, we counsel a lot with, with our customers is that when we're talking to them, that the idea that they absolutely have to look at how they bake security and data privacy into the very design of their IT solutions. And, and actually, yeah, that idea, you know, it's what we, I mean, we talk about the idea that there's some, some myths, some dangerous myths around IT security. And one of those myths is I'm not a target. Well, well, ultimately you don't actually have to be a target, do you? You know, all you need to do is click on the wrong link in the wrong email or maybe be somebody who deals with, as you mentioned, actually, maybe you de you're a customer of a service provider. Somebody wants access to that service provider well, why not go after the customers, the customer who might be less well protected as a, as a means of getting to that service provider. So, you know, I, th I think, you know, you, you can't, I, I can't, I can't endorse that message enough that I think whether you're it, it, delivering services, whether that's as a service provider or whether it's an IT organization in, in, a, in a large organization, you're delivering IT services, that you need to bake IT security into everything that you do as much as your end users and, uh, and as your customers do, because that, that threat around supply chain um, is quite a big one, isn't it? You know, the idea that um, that we might not go after the central target, but we might try and find a way through its supply chain to to um, you know to, to help address that. Um, exactly. I, I mean, yeah. I mean, is there some things that um, either from an end user point of view, or if you're taking services? Actually, maybe there's a question that if you're an end user looking to work with a service provider, uh, because maybe you like the idea of being able to easily access some of these kind of trends that we've talked about, you know, whether that's analytics, whether it's Internet of Things, maybe it's security services. It, is there some things as an end user that you maybe should be looking for as you look to try and select service providers? Um, is there some tips, some advice that you can give? You know, I, as, a, as an end customer looking at a, at a service provider, you really want to make sure that that, custom, that service provider is talking about security properly um, and is making, making sense. Um, you know, so, so security is not a product that we buy off the shelf and we install once and we're done with. If only it was that easy. Yeah. Um, 
you know, security is an ongoing risk management process. And so if they're having intelligent conversations about what that risk management process is going to look like and how they're going to, going to help you, that is really where, where you're, you're talking to a good, well-qualified solution provider. You know, if they're saying, well, I'm going to install this and then you're going to be done, they don't really get it. Um, and I think that's some of the stuff that, that's really important. It was interesting that, you know, one of the things that we talked about at the, at the session was the difference in security experts, online safety practices versus non-experts safety practices. You know, experts talk about things like installing software updates, uh, using two-factor authentication, using unique and strong passwords, and a password manager to help you have you know have a different password for every every site you use and are you and multi layers of security those non experts talk about things like uh, changing passwords frequency and, and frequently and only visiting websites you know and don't share personal information the kinds of things that are just not really practical advice and also say that you know, end users should be listening to the advice they're giving and, and you know, they're given and, and making a determination whether or not that makes actual sense. Yeah, and I do think, um, you know, we, we've just done some work recently about how, uh, you know, working to make your your people part of your security defense. And one of the things that um, some of the research I looked at was talking about the idea, this idea of only visit websites that you know. Well, how do you know whether you know the website or whether the website is useful until you've been there? It's a bit like, you know, how to treat, teach, your, teach your users how to spot a phishing attack. But if the phishing attack is so good, how, if an IT security professional is the only person who's going to spot it, how are you expecting your, your end user to be able to spot it? So, um, you know, and I, I think if it'd be okay with you, actually, I'll stick that, uh, that slide into the show notes for this because I, that, that was, yeah, and I, I thought that was a really interesting um, thing, the idea that, that the advice that we hear from people who are not necessarily experts in the security field versus, um, versus those who actually are working on this and, and understand the modern threat. Um, well, look, David, you know, we're, we're kind of coming to the end of our time a little bit here. Um, you know, and I appreciate you doing this, and I, and I know we could literally talk for hours um, uh, about these, these kind of topics. And we, we, we spoke quite a lot at the, the conference, and, um, you know, we could probably turn that into a, a small mini-series of podcasts, let alone uh, just one. Sure. Um, but, um, I, I mean, for, if, if people have been interested in some of the things you've talked about today, and I'm sure they will have been, um, what, what's a good way that they can, um, well, two things actually, maybe we'll find out a little bit more about what SolarWinds do, um, you know, and, and where your kind of platforms can help in this. And, uh, you know, if they wanted to stalk you online, how, uh, how's the best way to find you? Sure. So SolarWinds MSP, we're, we're a technology platform for solution providers to use to deliver managed services. That includes a remote monitoring and management technologies, backup technologies, security technologies, risk intelligence technologies, you know, ticket management technologies, all the kinds of pieces that you'd need to be an MSP. Um, you can find out about all of our, our toolkit uh, at solarwindsmsp.com, um, which will, will, you know, everything that we do is, is available as a, as a consumption model. So you pay as you go. Um, I'm generally pretty easy to find online. Um, I'll start with my, my email. You can reach me at dave.sobel, that's S-O-B-E-L, at solarwindsmsp.com. I'm on Twitter as djdaveet, um, leftover from my MSP days. Uh, and yeah, you I, was, I was about to ask about the Twitter handle. I, yeah, I was assuming you were a DJ. I was a DJ in college, and my old MSP was Evolve Technologies. So that's where my Twitter handle comes from. 
you can find me on Twitter there. Um, I'm also on Facebook. I'm, a, I'm an active uh, poster there. Um, again, easier to find them, just DJ Dave on Facebook. Uh, love interacting with people. If you've got questions, please don't hesitate to reach out and, and uh, ping me in any of the various social media forums or drop me a note. I love, love talking with, uh, with solution providers. And uh, DJ Dave, you're available for weddings, birthdays, and bar mitzvahs? You know, I don't do as many as I used to with my travel schedule, but I have, I've, uh, I'm always happy to talk to somebody who wants to do it, but generally here in the D.C. area. Okay, I'll, I'll take a small cut um, for, for any, any links that come from this show. Um, Dave, look, re really appreciate your time. Um, I think, I that, again, that's been fascinating stuff. And uh, I, I get a feeling I might have you on again because I think there's, there's a whole bunch of areas that we've, we've not even touched on that I think people would be interested to hear about. So, um, but Dave, look, really appreciate your time and uh, look forward to speaking to you again soon. Thanks very much. I'm looking forward to being there. Thanks, Paul. Hope you enjoyed that episode of Tech Interviews. I think Dave covered some fantastic information there on the data trends that are affecting the way we do our day-to-day -day business and where service providers can help in our everyday operations. If you enjoyed the show, why not check out the show notes? You can find them over on techstringy.com. We can also find a back catalogue of all of our previous Tech Interviews episodes. If you do enjoy the show, why not you subscribe? You can find us on iTunes and SoundCloud or wherever else you get your podcasts. So until next time, thanks for listening.